0: The reading from today is Ephesians chapter 4, the apostle that Paul writes. As a prisoner for the Lord, then I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There was one body and one spirit, just as we're called to one hope where you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. Hold up. Okay. So Christ himself gives the apostles, the prophet, my bad, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measures of the fullness of Christ. Then, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to be be put on this new self, created to be like God and true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to your neighbor, for we are all members of one body. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is, help, what is helpful or bu- or building others up according to their needs, that, it, that may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and angry, brawling and slander along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. Thank you.
1: thank you ethan welcome everybody again this morning to grace community church my name is matt i work with the teenagers here at grace we want to welcome everybody who's joining us online Uh, we are in week two of our home for the holidays series which i am so excited about uh, and and really Here's, here's what we're after. We're thinking ahead to our holiday gatherings. We're thinking ahead to the gatherings around the turkey table or whatever version of this holiday table. You are going to be gathered around in the very near future. And we're looking ahead to these gatherings. And what we're talking about is how can, how can who I am here at this table and how I see myself and how I approach this table be shaped by the things I am reminded of here at this table. This is a holiday table. This is a celebration table. This is a table where we are reminded of incredible truth about ourselves, right? Truth that is good for us. and, And God is getting what he wants when who we are as we approach this table begins to shape and transform who we are when we approach this table over here. And that is what we're after during this series. So if you remember, uh, last week, Jesus was at this table for the very first time with his followers and they were having all kinds of problems with the way they were posturing themselves around the table. And Jesus recognized, hey guys, you're posturing yourselves as judges. You're posturing yourselves as superior. You're posturing yourselves any kind of way. And if the way you're posturing yourselves around this table translates to the way you're posturing yourselves around this table, there are going to be all kinds of problems, And this morning, we're kind of talking about those all all kinds of problems that happen around this table. We're talking about the holiday drama. I think some of us are (laughs) bracing ourselves for some holiday drama, aren't we? (laughs) No, but we're, we're, I feel like this is our final huddle before we break and jog up to the line of scrimmage that is the gridiron of this holiday season. Come on who's with that football analogy right come on you want to talk football we're about to break and get the line of scrimmage and there's about to be a kickoff okay i've been waiting to boot that blown up turkey for two weeks it's ridiculous what kind of church has a blown up turkey on stage my goodness so um okay let's be brutally honest with each other this morning we're all friends This is a safe place because I'm going to ask about holiday drama. But I'm actually not going to ask if we've had holiday drama. I'm just going to assume that. I'm going to assume that over the years, throughout the course of our family gatherings and over time, we have all experienced situations that are less than pleasant with those we are gathered with around the table. But what I am going to ask is this. And be honest. You don't have to raise your hand or anything. But be honest when it comes to the holiday drama. Who, how many of us, who of us have been at the center of it? Who, how many of us have been the cause of it? How many of us can look back and think back to some of those episodes and say for honest That one was on me. It was unpleasant, and it's on me. Because I know I can. So I want to tell you a little story about a game called Settlers of Catan. And a time, oh, we got some settlers lovers. Man, first service, they were like, I don't know about no settlers. Okay. But I want to tell you a story about the game of Settlers of Catan and a time I decided to be the rule book and the drama that ensued. Of course, I do, I want you to know, this was a really long time ago and I've grown up so much since. It was actually like four years ago. (laughs) I was 31, okay, this is tremendously embarrassing. But it is what it is, so here's the thing. It's actually a wonderful holiday that we're all having together as a family. And I'm from a huge family. So when I talk about family gatherings, there's like there's like 18 to 25 people around a table like this. Okay, and when we're together for four or five days, man, you know, so there's a good chance something's going to go down. Okay, but this particular holiday, everything was going fine. And some of us had just gathered around the table to play a game. And then I decided to be the rule book. And shortly thereafter, I found myself in a position that did not feel very good. Namely, every single person at the table was shaking their head at me. Here's here's what actually happened, okay. I decided that I wanted to build a settlement that was not adjacent to where I had existing settlements and roads. This sounds so nerdy. (laughs) And I'm saying this out loud. But I was convinced that I should be allowed to do this. So I made myself the rule book. But actually, even the bigger problem was, I didn't even really know the rules that well. Obviously, if you know the rules of this game, you don't do that. But man, I took it so far, so embarrassingly far. I get caught up in the moment. You get caught in this mode where you're like, no, I'm convinced of a certain thing, and I see it this way, and I'm going for it, and it drives everybody else nuts. That was me. And everybody around the table just starts shaking their head at me. My sisters, they're shaking their head at me in absolute disgust. Like, ew. I can't believe I'm related to you. This is so gross, what you're doing. You're like calling for the rule book. You're dema- like, gro- my brother-in-law, he's shaking his head at me in laughter. Like, th- is this guy serious? This is hilarious, what he's doing right now. He's, so- <laughs> he's being for real. My brother, he's shaking his head at me in anger, and I think he wanted to hit me. And he's like, he's like, "No, you're not doing this right now, Matt. We're just playing the game." So I, that was me. I can own it. I look back at that episode, say, "Yes, that one was on me." And the sad thing is, for some of us, it kind of killed the afternoon. It kind of killed the afternoon. I decided that I was going to be the rule book. I decided that my perspective was the highest, that my view was the clearest, that as we approach this thing, that that, that I actually was, was like the prototype, that I was the finished product, that I was the one who knew better. I was the finished product. I was the prototype. I was the finished product. I was the prototype. And here's the thing. I just want to make a bet this morning. Um and this is just in my experience, but maybe you've experienced the same thing too. Nine out of 10 times when it comes to holiday drama, the one who is at the center of it is that person. The one who is in some ways convinced themselves that they are the finished product, that they are the prototype, that they have the highest perspective and the clearest view. Whoever it is that perceives himself or herself as the prototype, they're most likely to be at the center of everyone's frustrations, getting their heads shaking in. So this morning, uh, when we, as we dive into Ephesians 4 that was read for us just a few moments ago, I actually want to start with verses 22 and 24 because I believe in them. Paul offers us something that can protect us. He offers us an insight and a perspective that can shield us from being that guy or being that person. So let's read it. Here's what he says in verses 22 through 24 in Ephesians chapter 4. He says, You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in true righteousness. And holiness. Basically, what Paul is saying here, very simply, is this. There's an old self and there's a new self. And the old self is fundamentally flawed. This is what he's talking about when he says it was corrupted by its deceitful desires. This old self is fundamentally flawed. This old self is, is, is flawed in a way and it convinces itself that in some way it's a finished product, it's the prototype, it has a high view and a clear view of what is true righteousness and holiness. But it's a fundamental flaw because it's the new self that has a right and a clear view on true righteousness and holiness. It's the new self that is able to do that. And the Apostle Paul wrote these words. If you've heard Paul's story, you might remember that, in fact, for years, Paul was convinced that he had a grasp on what is righteous and what is holy. He was convinced of his own ability to pick out the straight line in a sea of crooked ones. He was convinced of it until he had this amazing encounter with God. And it's like his eyes were open and he realized, oh my goodness. My old self is fundamentally flawed, and, and and when I when I was convinced of my ability to pick out a straight line amongst all the crooked ones, I actually what I thought was a straight line wasn't actually so straight at all. Actually, I'm reminded of a Need to Breathe lyric. There's a song they have called Wasteland. Anybody listen to Need to Breathe? Great band. Come on, yeah, they got this song Wasteland. This, this lyric says this: "There was a greatness I felt for a while, but somehow it changed." some kind of blindness that used to protect me from all of my stains. This is exactly what Paul's talking about when he's talking about this old self that had a fundamental flaw and this new self that is being remade and reshaped to understand true righteousness and holiness that is Jesus Christ. And so I want to stop for a minute here this morning and just recognize that what Paul is describing to us in Ephesians chapter four is a key truth that we are reminded of here when we gather around the communion table, when we gather around this last supper, when we remember that dinner party that Jesus had with his disciples and he, and he broke bread and he said, this is, this is my body broken for you and he, and he distributed wine and he said, this is my blood poured out for you. We're reminded of our old self fundamentally flawed and the new self that God wants to remake and reshape us into and how it's patterned after the prototype, Jesus Christ himself. We are reminded of this key truth. And as we think ahead to the holiday tables, how important, how important is it for us to be reminded of that? How important is it for us to be reminded? And what we are reminded of here, that we are not the prototype, that we are not the finished product, that we are works in progress, that there is a remaking happening, there is a reshaping happening. That's what we're doing when we take the, the bread and we take the juice and we ingest Christ and we're inviting Christ in to reshape us and remake us. And as we take him in, we're saying, have your way, do a work in me, let growth happen. I think it's so important because if we can can remember who we are here in terms of the growth process we're in and we can bring that to this table, it can protect us from that thing that can get us in trouble, that thing that deceives us that says, oh no, I have the highest perspective and the clearest view because I'm the prototype and I'm the finished product. Here's what we're after this morning. Growth. Growth. Growth gives us hope. Growth pulls us out of the hopelessness that says it ain't ever gonna change. Because some some of us, not all of us, but we're looking ahead to the holidays and we're like, it's gonna be another year of the same. It's gonna be another year of the same conflict and the same people are gonna go at it and the same person is gonna rub somebody the wrong way and and it's gonna be the same, more years of the same. we are convinced that growth is impossible. But what we're reminded of here in Ephesians chapter four is that what God has in mind is growth and it's tremendous and it is good. It's what we're after. It's why this text was chosen today because this text, Ephesians four, it speaks to the conditions of our holiday gatherings and it drives towards growth. Think about the way Paul describes the community he's speaking to. And I'm just gonna review a couple of things that, that were a part of Ephesians chapter four that, that Ethan read. In verse two, uh, Paul says, bear with one another. Bear with one another. The sense is difficulty. The sense is you're gonna to need to stick it out with people. Bear with one another. How many of us feel like when it comes to holiday tables, there are people we have to bear with? There's some laughs there. Everybody's got somebody in mind. (laughs) Paul says in verse chapter 3, work to keep unity. Disunity is predicted. Does that make you think of your holiday gatherings? Verse 13, Paul says maturing will need to happen. Immaturity is going to have to be dealt with and acknowledged because, come on, there's going to be immaturity around this table. And it's going to cause problems when you play Settlers of Catan. Verse 25, there will be falsehood. You're going to need to put it off. Verse 31, this is really, really, really digs into it. He says, there will be bitterness, rage, anger, brawling. And all those are going to need to be dealt with. He says brawling. He's saying, he's saying at some point, somebody is going to want growth to happen in another person so bad, they are going to move them physically to see that growth happen. That's actually what what that Greek word for brawling means. It means somebody is doing something physical to move somebody, to grow somebody. They're thinking the way that growth is going to happen in that person is if I do something to them physically. Brawling. And Paul describes this community of people that I'm like, this is my family. But he stays laser focused on the goal and its growth. In the midst of all the dysfunction, Paul continues to talk about growth. And we think about Ephesians 4, verse 12. He talks about the body being built up. That's growth. Verse 13, he talks about becoming mature. That's growth. Verse 15, he says, we will grow. Verse 16, again, he uses the phrase grows and builds itself up in love. Verse 29, he says, what is helpful in building others up? And then he's very clear about something that gets us the growth we need. And this is actually really exciting. It's kind of the main point this morning. If you're going to write anything down, you might consider writing this down. Because Paul is very clear about one thing. When you think about growth that needs to happen at this table, he says, This is the catalyst for that growth. Verse 15, he says, Speaking the truth in love, speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Speaking the truth in love, we will grow. Truth spoken in love is a catalyst for growth. And as we think ahead to our holiday gatherings, we have to remember that. Because there is going to be growth that needs to happen in ourselves and in others around us. We think about how is that growth achieved? Paul says truth spoken in love is a catalyst for growth. So this holiday season, when we're faced with situations and difficulties with our family members that stir up our desire for their growth, (laughs) you hear how nicely I put that? When we're faced with situations that stir up our desire for their growth, this is the thing to remember. And this is so hard. Speaking the truth in love is like a lost art. It is so difficult because typically... The things that cause us to see ways in which we want people to grow are the things that make us mad, the things that make us angry. And you can speak the truth in anger and you'll probably feel a little better, but will it spark the growth you really hope to see? And you can speak the truth in judgment, but will it spark the growth we really want to see? So, how do we speak truth in love? Paul gives us six keys, and we're going to talk about two. Okay, but he gives us six He gives us six keys, and uh, and we find three in verse two, and three in verse thirty-two. So here they are. He says this: be completely humble, be gentle, be patient. Verse thirty-two, he says: be kind, be compassionate, be forgiving. This is so hard to speak the truth in love this way. I wanna talk about being patient, okay? It's one of the, one of the six keys I wanna talk about because here's the reality. Growth is what we want. Change is what we want. But growth happens very slowly. And change happens slowly. Okay, I'm gonna share something with you and you're probably gonna do two things. One, you're going to respect my wife, Robin, tremendously. And two, you're going to shake your head at me again. Okay? You, uh, you've already been shaking your head at me because of the settler's thing. I know it was ridiculous. But, um, but I'm going to give you another opportunity to shake your head at me. So um, this is a chair from our, our dinner table. Okay? And uh, it actually came with four other chairs. Okay? But this chair is unique in the set. It's different than the other four. And can anybody guess how? my chair that's what i thought it's got, it's got to armrests right this one is built like a throne this is the chair that exudes authority amongst the other chairs some of you're laughing in judgment of me because you know where i'm going with this some of you were just shaking your heads i can can smell the judgment, okay? I'm about to be very vulnerable with you, and I'm gonna be transparent. And I know it's gross. It's more gross, comar just on display for you this morning. But it's important because this will help illustrate how slow change happens and growth happens. So here's the thing. Early on in our marriage, Robin and I have been married 12 years. Early on in our marriage, we bought this set. And early on in our marriage, I heard this chair calling my name. Whenever we would come to dinner, I just felt something about this chair speaking to me, like, come sit in me. I am the one for you. Not those other dinky chairs that don't have armrests. You can't lean back in and put your arms up and, you know, make yourself comfortable. But this chair called my name. And here's the thing. I didn't always get to sit in this chair. Sometimes Robin beat me to it. This is what's really gross, okay? <laughs> when she uh, This is, it's not funny. It's really not funny. It's terrible. But she beat me to it. Man, I would like feel funny inside. I would feel like something's not right here. That chair was called my name. Wrong person in a chair. Oh God, saying this out loud is so <laughs> horrible. But it's true. I had an old, man, when Paul says there's an old self corrupted by deceitful desires and there's fundamental flaws, he is absolutely speaking to me. And, and God has made it so obvious over the years. The things he needs to change in my heart and in my mind. Okay, but here's the thing. As ugly as ugly as it is, the thing that, that went on inside of me when I didn't get to sit in this strong man's chair, I said strong man's chair. It's so bad. I noticed this was is, this is a weird thing going on inside of me. And, uh, and fortunately for me, at an early age, I bought into this idea that if I, if I feel strange about something, if I feel like there's a problem, the first person I take it to is God himself. And I attribute that to just some incredible people I had in my life that mentored me, that grew, that, you know, that raised me. Right? But I bought into this idea. Hey, man, there's something funny going on inside. You got a problem with something, take it to God first. And here's why. Because you can count on the fact that he's going to speak truth to you. And you can count on the fact that he's going to speak truth to you in love. Which I can. So I took it to God. I said, God, what's going on inside of me? Why I feel so funny when I don't get to sit in this chair? You guys are just now realizing I'm being serious about this. So I took it to God. God. And in, in a sense, I came to this table and I needed to hear from God. I needed him to, to, to speak some truth to me in love. And I got, to, and I got the, the body, the cracker, and I got the blood and I held onto them and say, okay, God, I know you love me. I'm convinced of your love for me. You proved it. You let your body be broken for me. You let your blood be spilled. I know you love me. And I know when I bring this to you, you're just going to tell me the truth. And it didn't happen overnight. But God was truthful with me. And very slowly, He began to help me see. Matt, that thing that's going on inside of you, revolving around that stupid chair, it has everything to do with the way you see yourself. And that's a problem. Because you see yourself as some kind of king, you see yourself as some kind of authority. God said, that is not even close to the way I want you to see yourself. It's not the kind of man I want you to be. It's not who I was. And Jesus began to remind me. Jesus began to say, it's not who I was at the table. I didn't sit at the table like I was some kind of king. Remember what I did? I washed feet. I was a servant at the table. And God very slowly began to help me see. And God very slowly began to work change in my heart to the point where, praise the Lord for, for Robin, that this is no longer a struggle for me, that I don't think about chairs at all, in general, that way anymore. Okay, you wanna know the most embarrassing thing? I, I'm not gonna tell you the most embarrassing thing. No, I'm not gonna. No. I'm gonna tell you the most embarrassing thing, Okay. When, when, the, when God began, when he first started remaking me in this way, when he first began exposing this perspective I had on myself and how it's translating into the chair I want to sit in. You want to know what I did? Because the dinner table seats four chairs. And it was always this chair and three other of the, the non-armed chairs. Who knows what I did? This chair was the one sitting in the corner. Nobody's sitting in that chair so ridiculous so ridiculous y'all need to you guys need to pray for robin oh my goodness the point is this change happens slowly growth happens slowly growth is what we're after here so if we have opportunities this holiday to speak truth in love we have got to be patient I want to I share a quote from an article called The Constructive Displeasure of Mercy. It was written by David Powison. Um I actually think if any of you are here this morning and you are anticipating some trouble over the holidays and you're thinking, I know that there's going to be a moment where I'm going to need to speak the truth in love to somebody at our gathering, send me an email. I'll, say, I'll, I'll give you the article because it is absolutely wonderful. It's empowering, convicting, inspiring. Um, But he says this about patience. Okay, speaking of truth and love, being patient. He says this. He says, true patience is not aggression and attack mode, of course. But true patience is not about passivity, indifference, and a placid tolerance of evils. You do not peacefully put up with bad things. That's not what we're talking about when we're talking about patience. Patience. Patience is not just an easygoing tolerance and neutrality. It does not accept anything and affirm everything. Patience hates what is happening and rolls up its sleeves to redress what is wrong. But with patience, you are willing to work with wrong over time. You bear with people rather than counter-attacking. You are willing to work slowly to solve things. You are even willing to live for a long time within seemingly insoluble evils. Patience does not explode like destructive vengeance. It does not give up in exhaustion, disgust, or despair. When we think about speaking the truth in love this holiday, let's remember to be patient. Uh, I just want to talk about one more thing. Paul says, be kind. When you speak the truth in love, that is the catalyst for growth, and when growth is what you're after, kindness matters. I'm going to quote David Powelson again from this article. He says this, and he starts actually talking about anger. But he says, anger operates out of a strictly punitive sense of fairness and justice. Charity slash kindness Agrees that's wrong, but then does some undeserved, generous act. And it comes from the hardest confrontation of all within ourselves. Love your enemies. It's hard to do. Impossible. It's an unnatural act to see wrong and do right. Kindness does what someone doesn't deserve. Someone deserves nothing from you or even deserves payback because they did you or others wrong. But you do love the form of love that bears the name kindness. The form of love that is demonstrated to us when we gather around this table. When what we deserve is payback. And Jesus Christ so generously says no. You don't get paid back. In fact, what you do deserve, I'm going to bear the brunt of. And even beyond that, I'm going to invite you to receive me in a way that can transform you. I'm going to invite you to receive me in a way that will reshape you and remake you. And then there will be an old self that was corrupted by deceitful desires. And then there will be a new self that is being remade into the image of me, which is true righteousness and holiness. What a tremendous kindness. Just this past week, Robin and I were in a disagreement. I don't even remember what it was about. Actually, I do. I'm not going to tell you, though. (laughs) (laughs) On Friday, I was at the office. (laughs) And, And Robin's really busy season of college admissions had kind of slowed, and so she had a small window of free time. She used it to surprise me with lunch. I know. And not only did she bring me lunch, but she said the words. She said, I just want you to know that I love you. I didn't deserve that. I definitely did not deserve that. And here's the thing. She wasn't saying with lunch that our problem was solved or that more work didn't need to be done. But she was speaking truth to me in love. With kindness. And I can attest, it is a tremendous catalyst for growth. So we're gonna close this morning and we're gonna come before this table again. And we're gonna quiet our hearts and minds. And we're gonna be reminded of the kindness offered us and the posture God assumed before us. And we're gonna think about how is that gonna shape who I am around this table over here. And here's the thing. I want you to know that you all have a gift coming for you on your way out. And it's actually a to-go communion cup. How many of you are are like, you've seen these before and you're like, I'm never touching one of those. Not doing it. There's a little wafer on the top. There's juice below. And I want to invite you to take one of these with you wherever you go for the holidays and take it with you to, to have with you for whatever table you're gathered around. And maybe even on Thursday morning when you wake up, you come to this table first and you give God the opportunity just to remind you of some things that are going to set you up for success around this table over here. Maybe that's what you do. Or maybe you just hold on to it all day and you wait for the moment you need it most until just before you're ready to speak some truth and love to somebody So here's the thing, Uh, Robin and I ran a half marathon yesterday, okay? I said that in the first service, and I found out between services that uh, somebody who was listening had just run 50 miles the day before. They were like 13.1, shut up. So here's the thing, this half marathon, I knew going into it um, that miles 9, 10, and 11 were going to be the hardest for me. Okay. But they gave out this power pack goo stuff at like mile 6. Right. And I'm like, I know at some point I'm going to get this goo, this power that I'm going to need to get me through. But they gave it out at mile 6. I'm like, you know what? I know my hardest miles are going to be miles 9, 10 and 11. So what I'm going to do is I'm just going to hold on to it. I'm going to hold on to it and when I need it most. When I need it most. I'm going to go for it. So I did. I ripped that goo open in mile 10. And it got me through to the end. But maybe that's how you're going to, maybe that's how you're going to think of this to-go communion cup. And, and you're gathered around the table. And you know on Thursday, your hardest hours are going to be 4 p.m., 5 p.m., and 6 p.m. <laughs> and you know when you get to around 5 p.m., you're going to need to be reminded of a couple things about speaking the truth in Love. You're going to need to be reminded of some things about how you're posturing yourselves around this table. And I just want to encourage you, just hang on to it. And maybe you just, you bust this out when you need it most. What we're after this holiday season, we're after the best holiday season ever. We're after a holiday season that leaves us full of life. Not empty of it. We're after a holiday season that God is getting what he wants. First and foremost, that who I am here becomes who I am here. And secondly, growth in me and around for everybody. So listen, I'm going to stop now and we're actually going to pause and take communion. So actually, if you're serving communion, if you're part of that team, please get up, get the trays and start passing while they begin passing. Here's a couple things I wanna say. If you're with us online, just take a second now, grab some juice, grab some bread and take communion with us. I also want to remind you that if, if you need a gluten-free cracker, you just tell your server and they'll get you one. I'm gonna ask you as the, the juice and the crackers are passed that you would just take the elements and you'd hold onto them and then when everyone has received, we'll, we'll take those together. And while they're being passed, in just the quiet moments we have, I want you to reflect and I want you to pray. And I want you to think, I want you to think about what's coming down the pipe at these holiday tables. Take some time to ask God, God, what, what do you need to remind me of most as I head into this Thanksgiving. And in a few moments, we'll take the elements together. We'll read from Luke 22, starting at verse 17. It's, After taking the cup, Jesus gave thanks and said, take this and divide it among you. For I tell you, I will not drink again from the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God comes. And he took bread, gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Take. In the same way, after supper, he took the cup saying, this cup is the covenant, is the new covenant in my blood which is poured out for you. So we take it in remembrance of him. Jesus, we're so grateful for this thing you've asked us to do in remembrance of you. And God, we just ask that as we take part in communion this morning, God, you you will remind us of whatever it is we need to be reminded of. God, for each one of us, it's different. God, as we look forward to this holiday season, and will you help us? Will you help us have the best holiday season ever? And may it be a result of your working in our hearts and minds, your transforming of us. God, help us to love intensely serve those we're around the table with. God, help us to speak truth in love. Help us to speak truth in love this holiday season. Thank you so much for this morning. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Grace Community Church, a church for people who don't go to church, meets on Sundays at 9.30 a.m. and 11 a.m. in Arlington, Virginia. Connect with us anytime at trygrace.org.